We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. Uh, CD Encounter on Apple's reviews. Gave us five stars. Huge fan of the podcast. The uh, title of his review is Chiefs World Cup and Super Bowl Double. Huge fan of the podcast, especially Tom's Tuesday and Thursday appearances. I'm not a soccer fan, but didn't I hear Tom say that the Chiefs could have won the recent FIFA World Cup with just three weeks three weeks of practice? Imagine the rare Super Bowl and World Cup double championship. <laughs> Nailed it. Tommy, actually, you I think you referred to the Chiefs going to soccer camp for a few weeks. Soccer camp for three weeks. Yes. Right. It wasn't practicing. I haven't changed my mind. Of, I haven't changed my mind about well, that. Well, why would you? I don't know why you would. Of course. Um, yeah. Matty thirty four C just writes five stars more. Tom, uh, we got him today. That's for sure. That really was one of the funniest things you've said recently, right before the World Cup, when you just said. I guarantee you the Chiefs, if they had enough time, went over a couple of weeks earlier, early and went to a soccer camp or two, they could win the World <laughs> Cup. <laughs> uh, I mean, do you know how many people were so pissed off at that that actually literally took it seriously? Um, I'm not saying that you're you know, not serious, I mean, that, but that it's really, not really a serious that, comment. That, but that really was the ultimate disrespect to the sport, wasn't it? Oh yeah. It was pretty bad. Oh yeah. Well, it's not only yeah. that, it's an American disrespect. It's a, it's an Amer- yeah. it's a total American sports fan shitting on international soccer fans. Like seriously? I mean, the Chiefs, yeah. have you ever seen them? I mean, nobody falls <laughs> down after a little tap on the shoulder and rolls around on the ground for 10 minutes and then gets up is fine. They'd go over and kick Brazil's ass in a second with just 2 weeks of <laughs> soccer camp. By the way, soccer camp too was so condescending. Not practices, but I like know. like a kitty camp for soccer. Yes, yes. <laughs> like you sign your kids up for for the summer. Uh, Tennis camp, soccer camp. Unbelievable! <laughs> so funny. Um, Archery camp. Thank you. You know what? That was one. I'm telling you, it's not one thing. I couldn't do it all. There are there have been plenty of things I can't do. I just could never get the hang of archery. At, 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 as a kid, summer camp, 
pulling that arrow back in that bow and getting that thing to fire out, I just couldn't ever really get it. Did you go to day camps or did you go to away camps? Well, mostly as a kid, as when I got older, I went to basketball camps. Those were the camps that I went to. But, but, but when I was but, a young kid, I went to did da- you go day camp. Day camp. Okay. Yeah, so did I. I never went to an away camp. A sleepaway I camp. I always went to, yeah, a day camp. And my day camps were in Brooklyn, so they were a little bit different than when your day camp experiences. But uh, we didn't do archery in Brooklyn because that was considered a weapon <laughs> in my neighborhood. So. <laughs> right, right. But you, but had you, have you ever done, have you ever tried archery? I'm sure I did in gym class in high school uh-huh. and totally fucked it up somehow. So other than that, I have no memory of it. Yeah, I think that's true, too. I think didn't we get that probably in gym class in middle school, maybe? Probably, yes. I think you might be right about that. Um, yeah. yeah, I for whatever reason, I'd pull that thing back and it would just sort of fall to the ground when I let it go. I just could not figure archery out. You know, now it's very similar to darts, except, of course, the execution of, you know, the thing with the sharp point on it to target. Um, but uh, we, we've already, we did the, we did the bar. You, 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 we talked about pool and your father. And yeah, we talked to barroom athletes yeah. and all yeah, that yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And many of you, by the way, in that conversation, off of that conversation, sent me. Um, all of the, uh, that evil Knievel pinball machine, which is available. I think we've talked about that already as well. So anyway, um, all right. So tonight, I just wanted to share with you before we start about tonight, please. I want to talk about last night briefly, because what's the point of being here in Florida if you can't rub everybody's nose in it? I know it's 60 degrees here today. Well, last night, Mm -hmm. eight o'clock at night. I'm looking up at the at the full moon through the palm trees while I'm swimming in the heated outdoor pool mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what I was doing last night. I was swimming. Oh, I, th- I thought you were about to say, what's the use of being in Florida in early February if you can't rub everybody's nose in it, knowing that we're going to be in the 60s here for the next several days? I'm playing golf tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be 60 – I'm going to pull it up right now. It's going to be – now, there's a chance potentially for some snow this weekend now, they're saying. I don't know if that's going to happen. But, to, um, well, today's only into the low 50s. Tomorrow, 60. Thursday, 61. Friday, 59. And then next week, and those Tommy – are all glorious days <laughs> for February in, 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 uh, in Maryland. Glorious days. Yes, they are. But you're not going to be swimming in a pool at nighttime, looking at the full moon through the palm trees. Were you by yourself? Yes, I was. I had the whole pool to myself. Oh, that's nice. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, being... Um, so that's all. Being I've been out, waiting to share that moment since I, since I hit the pool last night. There's something so relaxing. I don't know if for me if it's in a pool, but being in a warm-weather locale... Being out in front of a fire at night looking into what is usually a gorgeous sky, right? Where you could just see was it oh, clear was it clear God, yeah. last night? 
Yes, absolutely. Stars all over the place. Stars all over the place. And makes your mind, you know, sort of wander and be curious about what's out there, Tommy. What's actually out there? Um, Are you a UFO guy? No. Do you believe there's life out there? Yes. Okay. But you're not, you're not obsessed with it. Like, no. You don't, okay, neither am I. I believe life is out there, but I'm not particularly obsessed with it. Although, I, I really do hope someday before I die, I see something in the sky that, that is really bizarre at some point. That's not Whatever a, it is. That's not a balloon? Yeah, that's not a balloon. <laughs> um, I well, I certainly. I mean, I'm not obsessed with UFOs, and I don't. But I certainly don't discount the possibility that something from somewhere else has visited our planet before. I, I definitely think that that's possible. Yes, it's certainly possible. You you hesitated uh, on that. Well, I mean, you know, that's it's one thing to think that there's life out there. It's another thing to think that they they, they took their version of the Greyhound bus to stop here on Earth for, for for a while. You know, it could have happened millions of years ago for all we know. Sure. You're right. Yeah. Um, it's possible. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't – I'm certainly far from an expert on most things. I am definitely not an expert on those things. I know – you know, all of the stories of, well, I don't know all of the stories. I know a lot of the stories of UFOs have sort of uh, emanated from Roswell, New Mexico, and um, I don't know. And there's been recent things that have been unexplained. Um, but usually there's somebody out there that has a decent explanation for them. So I'll leave it at that. Tonight, yeah. Le- LeBron James um, plays Oklahoma City in L.A., uh, and he is 35 points away from tying Kareem, 36 points away from the record. If it's not tonight, it would likely be Thursday night against Milwaukee. Um, TNT is doing both of these games this week, Tuesday night, uh, tonight at 10 p.m., Thursday night, 10 p.m., and then if in the event that he doesn't do it, Saturday night at Golden State on ABC. So they've got all of his games ready to go. So you're going to be able to, you know, if you want to stay up tonight and watch Kareem potentially tonight, I would think in the next two nights with the way he's been playing. He's averaging 30 a game um, this year at, at, at age 38. Um, but he will become the all-time NBA score passing the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, passing cap, Captain Jabbar on the list. What is it? What, what will that mean to you? It doesn't change my view of LeBron in the scheme of the history of the NBA. Uh, you know, I think it will have a, an impact for fans to come years from now who never have seen LeBron and will look at the numbers and will say, well, he's got to be the greatest player of all time. I mean, look at those numbers. Uh, I mean, I think LeBron is a top five player, uh, probably uh, even including centers. I mean, because I have Wilt and and Russell as one and two. Uh, But I'd be willing to put LeBron as number five behind uh, Magic and Michael. uh, give me your give, close, give me your t- to give him. me your top five again. Okay, Wilt Russell, Magic Michael, 
and I'd have to include LeBron. But you had you had LeBron at five. Yes. And you have. Yeah. You have, and that's wh- not going to change, no matter if he passes Jabbar or not. Yeah. You know that LeBron. Well, pass Jabbar. You know that LeBron is also fourth all time on the assist list, right? You know that. Yes. Yes. You know he. Listen, he, he is. He's a great player. There's so much about LeBron to like. Uh, he has but, in 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 a, in a league where where people don't play. Uh, his 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 longevity is is remarkable. His 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 ability to stay in shape and how he probably works hard to stay in playing shape at the age of what thirty eight mm-hmm. is a testament to him. Uh, his life off the court has been amazing. Uh, he's never really embarrassed the league. Never really embarrassed his profession. Uh, you know, he's been a stand up citizen. And there, there is a lot to like about LeBron James. But, uh, but he's a drama queen, you know. Yeah. And the other guys I talked about, they weren't drama queens. None of them. I know I don't have Kareem in the top five. The guy he's actually passing uh, here, and a lot of people think Kareem is, is the greatest player of all time. Uh, I, he's a great player. Uh, one of the greatest ever, but I've got a problem with a guy who's seven foot three, uh, however tall he was, and does not dominate the league, leading the league in rebounding almost every year. And he didn't do that. You know, I he wasn't. Mean, his he wasn't seven three, right? Kareem seven was Kareem seven two or less than seven two. He wasn't seven three. Okay, seven two. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, seven foot two. Yeah. But uh, I just expect more out of a big man than averaging uh, 11 rebounds per career, which is what he did. So my um, my list hasn't changed, even though LeBron is going to become the all-time leading scorer. First of all, I think that's an incredible feat. And I'll, the, the 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 primary reason I think it's an incredible feat for him is because I think there have been a lot of times during his career, I haven't, I'm just telling you from my perspective, I haven't considered him to be like an elite scorer. I've considered him to be an elite player, but there was so much more to LeBron. I mean, there was LeBron, like we've said before, LeBron's more analogous, I think, in his playing style to Magic than to Michael. Um, he was he's been a great scorer, obviously, but I haven't thought of him throughout his career in the same way that I thought about Michael as a scorer. That I thought about um, you know, probably well, obviously Wilt as a scorer, who's the you know the the, the averaging fifty a game. Um, but he's going to become the all-time leading scorer. I mean, it's amazing. Like I I this isn't. I, I don't think that if you had asked me three years ago or four years ago, LeBron J- and said made the statement, LeBron James is going to leave the game as the all-time leading scorer. I would have just said, without even looking at the standings, no, he isn't. He's not catching Kareem or Carl Malone or Jordan or Kobe. Um, but, you know, not only has he caught those players, he's, he's ca- caught mo- most of those players, he's caught them and passed them. 
uh, by a lot. I, I just LeBron's never been a score first mentality player unless it was necessary. So that's number one. Number two is my list is I did change my list, I don't know, four or five years ago, because I have this is one of the things I keep written down in my rundown every day, just so I don't forget what I had. I've got Michael 1, I've got Magic 2. My kids laugh at that, but so be it. I've got Wilt 3, and I have LeBron 4 ahead of Russell, who I have 5, who I didn't see. And I didn't see Wilt either, but I take the word um, of a lot of people and have watched a lot. And then I've got Kareem, and then I've got Larry, Kobe, uh, and Elijah um, at 9, Shaq at 10. That's my list. Duncan's outside that list. Oscar's outside that list. Durant, Curry, Barkley um, are outside that list. Dr. J is definitely, for me, as you know, outside that list. But I've got LeBron on what would be considered the Mount Rushmore of the greatest players of all time. And I just, you know, he's won four titles now. You know, he's he's won more than Larry. You know, he's won, won less than Magic. Um, and, you know, he's still too short of Michael, but he's still going. And at 38 years old, he's having one of his best seasons in recent memory, too. Like, he I, – I, I've never liked LeBron and the drama, as you described. I've never liked I've, – I've considered LeBron to be also, you know, kind of one of those guys who's not dumb by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's bright, but I think he is – one of these guys that thinks he's a lot smarter than he really is. Um, the uh, I, I still can't get out of my mind during the course of his career a couple of times. Early in his career, I will concede this, he became a clutch player as his career went along. That's true. Um, but there were times early on in Cleveland when we go back to that Cleveland, uh, you know, a couple of the Cleveland series but against Boston, when we go back to the Miami series against Dallas when they lost, when he legitimately, legitimately was having performance anxiety, as Doc used to say yeah. about Tony Romo. I mean, that Dallas series that they lost to Dirk, he was hiding in corners in games, I think it was three and four. He didn't want anything to do with taking over and trying to be the alpha and trying to take over those games. And look, the the title that he won in Cleveland, I still contend that if Draymond doesn't get suspended in game, you know, from game five, which I don't think he should have been, that Golden State would have won that series. And in game seven, the guy that I've talked about a lot here over the last day and a half, Kyrie Irving in that game seven was the alpha. In Oakland. Um, But LeBron was incredible in games five and six. Don't get me wrong. It had an incredible game seven as well. I I think the game for him, the game for him was that game that he played in Oh boy, I gotta I gotta pull it up now. It's the game in Boston to save the series uh for um uh, for, yeah, like for the heat, points. for the heat, when he went for forty, it was a forty-six point triple double yeah. game to keep them yeah, alive before he had won his first title. That was like yes. the game where it was like he finally, finally got it done. I, I, I need to find that game. Sorry, because I, I, it's bothering you know, me. 
You know, I, I, I can't believe that you have Shaquille O'Neal rated so high. Do you know he never led the league in rebounding? Not one season? Hold on. I want to come back to that in a second. I will come back to that in a second. Okay. got to find this Boston game. Here it is. Okay, this was uh, 2012. They're down three games to two. He is yet to win a title at this point, right? He had not won a title at this point. I'm pretty sure that he had not won a title at that point. Um, LeBron's titles. Yeah, this was the first year they won it with Miami. All right, and he went in that game, Tommy, he went for 45 points, 15 rebounds, five assists. And he saved the Heat, kept them alive. They won that game seven, and then they beat Durant and Westbrook in the finals in five games uh, the year after that. The year after they had lost um, to Dallas. Uh, Dallas, right? Yeah, and in, in, in that Dallas series, he had some downright horrendous games in Game Four. Oh yeah, in Game Four, which was the game that he was hiding in the corner, hiding in the corner, didn't want anything to do with the ball. He had eight points. LeBron James in an NBA Finals had eight points. Um, but uh, anyway, he came a long way from there because he has been super clutch in a lot of big postseason games. And, you know, he's up there. And I, I think if he were, for me, this is a subjective thing, if he were a more likable figure, if I thought of him more in the way I think about Michael um, and Kobe to a certain degree is kind of more of a killer competitor. Um, I think I would have him, you know, probably at the top of the list because it's undeniable how great he is. I mean, at the age of 38 years old, he's averaging 30 points, eight and a half rebounds, and seven assists a game right now for the well, Lakers. Undeniable that he's great, but that doesn't mean he's the greatest. I know. I know. You know? I know. I mean, and look, it is undeniable what he's accomplished. And again, uh, I'm just as impressed with his life off the court uh, and how he's managed to, you know, basically become this businessman and this uh, this entrepreneur and this charitable figure. And like I said, he's never really done anything to embarrass the league. Well, in a league that, that gets embarrassed on a regular basis. Well, he's done some stuff uh, with respect to China and made some comments with respect to China that's no, that's, been, that's been a little, little bit off and a little bit embarrassing. But you're right. He's been off the court a guy that's never, ever, truly, for most people, okay, done the kinds of things that – you know, w- would embarrass the league. He's been a he's been a hell right. of an ambassador for the league. I think Magic and Michael were incredible ambassadors for the league as well, and they were flawed individuals for sure. And Le- LeBron's yes. flawed in ways too. But um, he's going to pass. Look, he's in the con- he's in the conversation. Mm-hmm. He's just not at the top for me. So what did you? And th- I don't know if my top is ever going to change. When it comes to Wilt, I don't think it will ever change. God, you and my father. My father will never have anybody but Wilt at the top, and he'll just say, if you saw him play and you don't think he's the greatest, uh, not only basketball player, but maybe one of the greatest athletes that's ever lived, you're missing out. Yeah. The the question, you know, a lot of people have, like with my, my boys and I, when we have these conversations and these debates is, which of these players, like, would translate 
with you know evolution the whole thing well all of them would with with the you know with diet and exercise the the whole thing um but wilt to me looked like a guy when i watch him that you could have put him out there tonight and he would have gotten you 40 and 15 yeah and and you know what He'd be about 85 when he did it, too. <laughs> I mean, there's this legendary story about Wilt in his mid-40s at a pickup game uh, in L.A. Larry Brown supposedly saw this thing happen where Magic and a bunch of late, uh, you know, like current NBA players were playing, and uh, they started to trash talk or did something, and uh, Wilt stopped the game and announced at at the at the defensive end that there would not be another bucket scored at that end for the rest of the game. Right. And he was right. <laughs> he swatted away every single shot. And he had to be forty five years old when this happened. Uh, you so had... yeah, he he was he was remarkable. I talked about Shaquille O'Neal, right. how you have him ranked so high. Well I have Shaquille him I have, I have him I have him yeah, I have him at ten. But I have Elijah Wan in front of him. You know what I think of Elijah okay. Wan. I think Elijah Wan right. is is maybe for in my lifetime because Wilton Russell aren't in my lifetime of remembering them. I think for me, Hakeem, even more than Kareem, was the best two way center that I've watched. That I think he was the best defensive center and offensive center combined in one in one center. And I I know that. When I've said before that I think Hakeem's criminally underrated, that's unfair because he's he's recognized as one of the all-time greats. I mean, any any one of those lists, he'll end up, he's typically at least in the top 15, top 14. I have him at nine, though. I have him one ahead of Shaq, which a lot of people put much higher. So why do I have Shaq there? Because in watching Shaq, he was truly unstoppable in his prime. Yeah. Unstoppable. On offense. Great team. Yeah, I, he know, was, I know that. You know, but for three straight years when they won three straight titles, he was literally unguardable, and he was the most powerful player that I that, that to play that position. When he caught the ball anywhere within seven to eight feet of the bucket, you were getting hammered on. Yes. He was he was his his version, that era's version of Wilt. Except he was a lazy hump. I know rebounding is effort. Rebounding is heart and effort. His career rebounding average is thirty eighth in the league. No average. I got yes, average ten point nine rebounds a game. That's 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 criminal for a guy with his power and ability. So I'm not letting him off the hook for that. You know what, though? Hold on. I'm going to look something up here because I want to look at the rebound leaders of all time. So Chamberlain, Russell, Moses, Kareem. Not, 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 not cumulative because oh. Shaq played forever. Okay. Let me look at the average. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. For his okay. I've, I've got it in front of me. This is, and this is the point I'm going to make to you. Where, where is Shaq 36th? Is that where he thirty eighth on the list at ten point eight five? Jesus God, that's that's surprising. That's unbelievable. That's surprising to me. But Chamberlain, Russell, Pettit, Jerry Lucas, Nate Thurman, Mel Daniels, Wes Unseld, Walt Bellamy, Dave Cowens, Elgin Baylor, Dennis Rodman, Willis Reed. 
in the top 12. The only player that played any basketball in this century was Dennis Rodman. In fact, most of those players didn't even play in the late 20th century. They played in the 60s, 70s, which is where most... And my point is, and I've said this to you before, the number of rebounds, and Wilt's the one that that made me kind of look into this years ago, the number of rebounds that Wilt used to grab in a game and the number of rebounds that, by the way, your guy Willis Reed used to grab grab in games, they're just outrageous numbers. Like, those numbers don't exist anymore. I know Kevin Love had some of those games where he had 30-something rebounds, but it's very, very rare to see the rebound game totals that you used to get a long time ago. And the reason for that is is that the shooting percentages are worse. Remember we did this? We did this several years ago. There There were more rebounds to be had back then. Yeah, than there yes, are there in this day and age. I'm now. I'm not taking Shaq off the hook for being 38th, okay? Because when you look at the players in front of him, like, but, but my guy Hakeem is 32nd on the list. Kareem is 30th. Let me find a guy that we uh, really consider to be a great rebounder. Um, Dwight Howard was a big time all time rebounder. Barkley was 11, 11 and a half. They're down in the 20s. Most of the guys on this list for average are guys that played a long Andre time Drummond. ago. Andre Drummond. Andre and Drummond is 13th. Uh, is 13th. You're right. Andre Drummond and yeah. then and Dennis Rodman are the, are the players from more recent years. Everybody else, as you look down that list, you won't come to anybody yeah. until Dwight Howard at 22. So that's the only thing yeah. I'm saying about that rebound number. Um, by the way, you know, it's always amazing to me, and I know that I mention this a lot whenever his name comes up. But Elvin Hayes is still, and this is why I consider him to be, I think Elvin Hayes is the greatest bullet of all time, bullet wizard of all time. And you think it's Wes, and that's fine because it's really, really close. I, I do think Elvin Hayes was a better overall player. The biggest problem with Elvin Hayes, as I've said many times, is Elvin Hayes did not um, play his best games in the postseason. You know, he sat on the bench after fouling out in the one title that they won in 1978 in Game 7 in Seattle. But he is still sixth all-time on the rebounds list. All right, that's amazing. But then again, the rebounds thing we just discussed, maybe nobody in the last 25 years is ever going to approach the higher levels of, of that list. And then on points, Tommy... On points, Elvin Hayes is still 13th all-time. I Now, that's a player that gets underrated in the historical discussion of the greatest players in NBA history. I'm not saying he should be in anybody's top 10, but wherever that list was on ESPN from a few years ago that you and I went through where you thought Havlicek should be whatever he was, and I... I was sort of going through all the players, and he ended up being you know further down your list than you thought he was. Elvin Hayes, I think, came in in like the 30s or 40s on that list. Great player, Elvin Hayes, and a, and an absolute Iron oh. Man. Never came out of games. Yeah, and, and the thing is, though, but people look, people from that era who know Elvin Hayes, he had a reputation. I know as being a selfish, difficult teammate. Yep, he did. You know. And that I'm sure that's hurt him. Maybe. You know, and uh, and and in 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 the championship series, 
he came up small, right? Yeah, he did. He he was not. He did not have. He had one. By my but my memory is, he had one memorable playoff. Actually, not one. There was a series. By the way, I'm going to tell you about this series. It's one of the first memories I have of the Bullets. They played. Buffalo in a conference semifinal. The year in 75, Tommy, when they lost to the Warriors and Rick Barry in four games, which was, and still to this day is, the biggest NBA Finals upset by odds in NBA history. The Bullets were a prohibitive favorite against the Warriors, who weren't even supposed to be there, and they got swept by the Warriors. But they played in the conference semifinals, and I'm pulling it up right now, they played Bob McAdoo and the Buffalo Braves. Okay, this is when Buffalo. What a great, what a great team that was to watch. Tommy with Ernie DiGregorio, Randy Smith. That Randy was a Smith. Great team to Randy watch. Smith, who was super yes. fast. Right, he was the super fast yes. guard. So yeah. there, there was a game in the series in which Elvin Hayes had forty six. McAdoo had 34, and another game in that series where Hayes had 34 and McAdoo had 50. (laughs) Like, this was when McAdoo, I think he led the league in scoring maybe that year. But you talk. For 6'11, he was unbelievable at that time. To be that kind of shooter at 6'11 back then was amazing. So. That's why when he went to the Knicks, I thought, well, it's the Bob McAdoo era. Let's count the titles. Didn't work out that way. No, but he got a couple he was in never LA. The same player. He got a couple in he was LA. Never the same player that he was in Buffalo. But for he be- some reason. But he became a hell of a contributor for some of those eighties yes. Showtime Lakers. Yes. Um in game seven, that series went a full game seven. In game seven, McAdoo had thirty six. By the way, boys and girls, no three pointer back then. And McAdoo could definitely stretch the floor as a six eleven guy. Yes. By the way, Elvin Hayes would have been able to do it, too. In that seventh game, I've got the box score up right now. McAdoo, 36. Um, Randy Smith had 17. Who was the other player that you mentioned from Buffalo? Well, Ernie DiGregorio played with those guys. Uh, he wasn't he, on. I don't know what he, year. I don't think he, he was on that team. On, okay, he wasn't on them there. But you know who okay, was on that team? Gar, Gar Hurd was on that team. Um, okay. And then in for, for the Bullets in that seventh and deciding game, Elvin Hayes had 24. Our boy, Phil Chenier, had 39 points in a seventh and deciding game. And how about about this? Phil was 13 of 18 from the floor, 13 of 15 from the free throw line, and had nine rebounds and three assists in the game. And then Kevin Porter, who was their starting point guard and was a really great fast-break point guard, had 24 and eight. Um, but they they that that was the year they went on and they beat Cowens and the Celtics in six games um, and then lost to Golden State. And Elvin Hayes had a terrible series against Golden State. Uh, came up small and then in the Seattle series, I'm pulling it up, seventh game. Uh, so he he fouled out in game seven, ended up with 12 points. Um, averaged for that series. Uh, Remember that. Right around 18 points a game, 17 points a game. I mean, he was just not great in that game. The game that I remember more than any, they played the following year as the defending champions, and they played Atlanta in a first or conference semifinal, best of seven. And it went to se- uh, seven in, uh, game seven at the Capitol Center 
Jimmy Carter, the president, was in attendance. And Elvin Hayes had his career playoff game. And I've said before that this game and the John Wall game, yeah, the John Wall game when he went for 42 in the closeout game against Atlanta a few years ago, before they played Boston, are two of the best playoff performances in in franchise history. In that game, Elvin Hayes, now here it says 39 points, 15 rebounds, and three block shots in basketball reference. But I've read the Sports Illustrated story, and it was six block shots. But he was he was just unbelievable in that seventh and deciding game. And then was really good in the next series against the Spurs where he had 25 points and blocked a shot um, that would have given San Antonio potentially the winning game seven. But anyway, um, back to LeBron. Uh, it's a historic moment. I, I mean, I hope I can yes. stay up and watch it. I'd like, I mean, if not, it's I... It's the only number, it's the only number I think that really means anything in the NBA. Like baseball... All the statistics mean so much. I think the all-time scoring leader is the one that people always know and always remember. I don't think any of these numbers match what baseball numbers are. I just think baseball is a completely different animal when it comes to numbers and remembering what those numbers are. But I would agree with you. I think most NBA fans and most basketball fans would know that Kareem was the all-time leading scorer and that LeBron – I mean, and certainly they've known that recently. And, yes, I would agree with you. It's kind of the only number other than championships. Russell's 11. You know, Michael's 6 – is what everybody knows. It's more about the championships. Don't do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I mean it. It, it is. I mean it can't. It, it it it's it's part of the context of an explanation. I mean Robert Ory has seven championships. No one talks about him as the greatest player of all time. Right. But uh, you know, it's it's if part of your if your resume could stand as a great player in NBA history. Without the championships, then then the championships count. It's okay. it's the sport where it counts the most. It, it, to me, it doesn't really matter in football. I mean, Dan Marino. I watched him play. I know how great he was. It's a dependent sport. He's only out there for half the game. In basketball, with five on the floor, and you're out there playing both ends, it matters. Let me just go back to rebounding one last thing. Okay. Uh, because you're right. There were, there were a lot more rebounds available back then when the shooting percentages weren't as high. But sometimes your numbers are so dramatically off the wall that there's no good explanation for it. Yeah, but... I mean, Wilt, Wilt and Kareem played for a couple of years at the same time. Mm-hmm. Wilt at the end of his career, Kareem at the beginning of his career. Wilt per game average double per game in rebounds what Kareem did. I mean, sometimes your numbers are so big that there's no other explanation than than that it was great. We've already said many times before, Wilt's numbers stand out as as an individual in a team sport more than any individual in a team sport, and it's not even close. It's not even close. The man averaged in the NBA 50 points and 50.4 points and 25.7 rebounds a game for a season. And by the way, he averaged one season. 
Go ahead. I was going to say his average minutes played was 48 and a half. The games are yes. only 48 yes. minutes. So it means yes. he played all the overtime minutes that year. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Oh, okay. I, he never sat down. Yeah. Imagine if he could shoot free throws. Yeah. There was no load management for Will Chamberlain. Uh, load management, Jesus. It's We don't talk a lot about the NBA because you don't want to. Uh, you like talking right. these conversations, but... Yeah, uh, the whole load management thing. I just think it's, it's such despicable. a turnoff, and it's just such it's such a, a, a real um, it's it's a, an impactful negative for the league, and they got they have to do something about it. But back yes, to back, you're right about that. Back to Wilt too, Tommy. So the best, like the year that he sh- he averaged fifty point four points per game, he averaged. 50% from the line. And he averaged 17 free throws a game. Let's just say <laughs> you could move that up to like, you know, out of 17 instead of nine and a half, you know, or, uh, you know, well, no, he was at um, his free throw. I'm sorry, my fault. I got that wrong. He was at 61.3%. His field goal percentage was 50.6%. His free throw percentage was 613 Percent. Um, just add a couple more free throws per game, and you're at 52 uh, points. How do yeah. you average 50? Nobody averages 40. This is why when I say about I Marino and people get upset and like, Sheehan, you are way too high in Marino. He never won anything. The dude threw for 5,000 yards when nobody other than Dan Fouts was throwing for 4,000. I mean, it was such an outlier. And You know what? What? Uh, look, because you have a radio show, you have more than an opportunity to do this. I talked to Joe Theismann last week mm-hmm. about uh, about Bobby Beathard from my Beathard column, and I don't know how the conversation came up. And I, I didn't pursue it because that's not why I had him on the phone. But he volunteered that he played racquetball once with Wilt. Well, wow. So if you ever get, you get Theismann on your show, which I'm sure you will, uh, ask him about playing racquetball with Wilt. I don't know if there's a story there, but it'd be interesting to ask him about it. Do you know something else about Theismann that I never knew until I started going back through some of these games recently with the you know 40-year anniversary of Super Bowl 17 and the 50-year anniversary of Super Bowl 7, etc.? I found a game that Theismann played in in 1975 for Washington. We know that he was a punt returner. Did you know that he was on the punt team going down, <laughs> making tackles on the punt team? He, he was a punt returner. Everybody remembers that. In 74 for Washington, he was actually a guy that they put back on punt returns. He was also on the punt team going down, making tackles. That was a guy that you did not have to ask to show up for work, Kyrie Irving, and do whatever they ask you to do to try to find yeah. a spot on the team. Not that Kyrie's ever yeah. been in doubt of having a spot on the team. Um, all right, anything else on LeBron? No. It's going to be. It's going to be. It'll be interesting to see the reaction to it. Kareem's going to be there. I think he has said that he's going to be there, and I think Kareem well, that's smart. 
it's it's smart for him to embrace it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to get to some football discussion next, including uh, the Washington team here in town. Um, but there were a couple of sound uh, clips that I want to play uh, for you. One uh, with uh, involving Brady and Belichick, and the other one, Sean Payton, about Russell Wilson. We'll get to both of those things right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This segment of the show is brought to you by my good friends at MyBookie. Uh, they've got a unique deposit bonus that lets you cash in and cash out quickly. That's you know tends to be an issue with a lot of sports books. Um, you've got to go through your initial deposit like two or three times. Not with MyBookie. MyBookie wants you to focus on what to bet on and not sweating the payout. Make your first deposit today. Use my promo code Kevin DC. Wager your deposit amount just once and then you're eligible to cash out. So that gives you an opportunity like this weekend with the Super Bowl. If that's all you want to bet on, and that's the only game you're interested in betting on, um, you know, deposit uh, money with my bookie. Use my promo code KevinDC. Wager that amount, and if you win, you're eligible to get it cashed out right away. Uh, my bookie's got everything you would want for the Super Bowl. All of the pregame stuff, all the in-game stuff, and all of the Super Bowl prop bets. Uh, this you know game is stacking up to be a close game. That's for sure. As I've mentioned and described to you in the past, all of the alternate lines will be available. Um, so you'll be able to bet the game any way you want to bet it. Uh, go to MyBookie where you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere. MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. All right, I want to play two sound clips real quickly. The first is Sean Payton, who was announced yesterday, Tommy, as Denver's new head coach. Um, he was asked, and you'll hear the question, about Russell Wilson having you know, his own sort of staff, his own coaching group. Uh, with him in the building, uh, and you'll hear Sean Payton's answer. Coach, uh, Russell Wilson had a personal coach, Jake Hughes, in the building with access who wasn't on the staff. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. Right, how do you feel about um, players having their own people off the staff in the building access to players? Yeah, that's foreign to me. That That's not going to take place here. I mean, I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it, but our staff will be here, our players will be here, and that'll be it. 
I think every time we hear Russell Wilson um, in a conversation with somebody else talking about him, either past or present, we learn something new about Russell Wilson that can be a little bit off-putting, depending on your perspective. Uh, You know, we've heard of the quarterback gurus that various quarterbacks have worked with, you know, during the offseason, like Terry Shea, you know, the guy that worked with Griffin and others that sometimes their own coaches would say, yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of him working out with somebody in the offseason, but whatever. But you know, know who's one of those quarterback gurus now? John Beck. Yeah, John Beck. Exactly. Who? Um, I mean, what, what has he put on? What has he put on the website that pitches him as a quarterback guru? But but how it about being Portuguese? How about Russell Wilson having his own personal quarterback coach? Plus, apparently, he had other support personnel in the building working with him last year. Sean Payton's not going to have any of well, that. I, I'm sure he rolled over Nathaniel Hackett. You know, he just rolled right over him. I mean. I don't know Nathaniel Hackett from Adam, but every public display, every time I saw him publicly, he seemed like a guy that uh, that you could roll over. Especially, I mean, he would he took, he was an assistant who took the job, and Russell Wilson was a Super Bowl quarterback. Yeah, who the team had just spent enormous amounts of money, you know, uh, enormous amounts to trade for. So. Uh, so I'm sure he rolled it, but that wasn't going to happen with Sean Payton, who's now making enormous amounts of money, who has a Super Bowl coming in, and uh, you know has I'm sure has the power to dictate those kind of terms. I'll be real curious to see how this plays out. Uh, if Russell Wilson can revert back to simply being a competitive player. Peyton also Pey- Peyton had two other quotes um, that I don't have the sound of, but I'll, I'll read. He said, uh, you have to have law and order, as Bill would say, as in Parcells. You come in with this, um, you know, it, with how we're going to teach. This is how we're going to meet. This is how we're going to handle practice. Every year in our league, there have been great plans and noble thoughts and a lot of enthusiasm that don't have success. Discipline, toughness, football makeup is going to be really, really, really important for a Denver Bronco. There's an element of discipline. There's an element of toughness. And look, it's not for everybody. Um, he also said with respect to fitting an offense – uh, to Russell Wilson, you'll like this this answer. None of us want to be at a karaoke bar with a song we don't know the words to. Um, so this is going to be entering 2023. One of the real big storylines is Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, and can Sean Payton resurrect Russell Wilson's career? Because it is a pretty damn good roster right now. But with what they had to give up to get Russell Wilson, it's not going to be a great roster for a long period of time. Like, I still look at Denver and I still think it's a tough division, obviously. I mean, they are, you know, with Kansas City and they are with the Chargers and, you know, the Raiders, you know, if they, depending on what they add and maybe it'll be Aaron Rodgers, who knows. Um, but they've got players, you know, on offense and defense. And now they have a real coach. Um, and we'll see if Russell Wilson – I'm going to give you my gut feeling right now because I thought Russell Wilson played better at the end of last year. Um, 
And I, I, I noted that, and I thought, you know, he played pretty well there towards the end of the year. He had a couple of really good games. I think it's going to work. I think Sean Payton is going to figure it out with Russell Wilson and that they're going to be, you know, Russell Wilson's going to have a good season with Sean Payton. He's only okay, 34. He's this. only 34 years old. I know. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. I, 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 haven't, I, I, I read the whole Sean Payton story. And I, I don't know what happened in Denver with his uh, team of advisors that he had. Uh, I don't know if that included his wife. Right. But my impression is that his wife is very much a part of his business. Mm-hmm. Okay. She'd be a part uh, of my business, too, that, if she were my wife. Okay. She, okay. She is, well, she's rather, she's rather uh, good-looking. Yes. I'll, I'll grant you that, uh, but uh, that could complicate this because there's the football culture that Russell Wilson can probably relate to of, okay, he's the coach, you know, he's calling the shots. I'm sure there's still a voice inside Russell Wilson who understands the culture of the, of the locker room and the game, but that's not going to play with his wife. I mean, if she was an influence uh, in that building, She's not going to be willing to give it up. That's just my gut reaction. Well, I mean, Based Sean. Historically, situations like this. Yeah, Sean Payton now, is going to. What, yeah. what they all should decide is that it's good business for him to go along with Sean Payton because the business of Russell Wilson is, is starting on a downslide right now, and it needs some winning to pick it back up. Uh, indeed, it does. Um... Do you have a gut feel on whether or not it'll work? Terribly sexist. No, uh, I don't think it'll work. Okay. It, it sounds sexist. I know it does, and I don't it mean for it, it to doesn't sound that. sexist to me. I mean, Ciara, and there have been many wives, many spouses that have been, you know, too involved in the players. Uh, you know, team responsibilities. I mean, we saw it here, and I'm not talking about spouse necessarily, but family. You know, the, the coach yes. and, and ownership yes. have to lay down. There have to be rules. And if, if the rules yes. apply to one to, to everybody, they also have to apply to the quarterback. Um, yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and what he, Sean Payton is doing, and I've talked about this with other coaches, and I think it works better in football than any other sport, but I think it works generally in everything, in that if you're taking over a troubled situation, it's better to be a hard ass from the beginning and back off than to be an easygoing, friendly guy at the beginning and then have to put your foot down. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I want to play another piece of sound for you right now. I want to play this Let's Go podcast, which is the Jim Gray Tom Brady podcast. And you'll hear what Belichick, um, I guess, recorded for Brady to run on this podcast, and then you'll hear Brady's reaction to it. You know, Tom's had just a tremendous career. Um, it was funny, you know, I was out at the East-West game uh, last weekend, and, of course, you know, his, Tom's picture's up there everywhere as a player in the game, and, you know, along with a lot of other Hall of Famers. I think they had, like, 70 Hall of Famers played in that game or something like that. Uh, but anyway, um, so, you know, that's kind of where it all started. You know, Michigan, the Orange Bowl, the East-West game, and, and, uh, and you know, just the greatest player, the greatest career, uh, 
a great, great person. Uh, it's it such an, an opportunity and an honor for me to, you know, to coach Tom. And uh, I, I guess, I guess it's got in at some point, um, you know, but it, it, it's the greatest one ever. So congratulations, Tom. Appreciate it. Tom, what did Bill do to bring out the best in you? I think it's more what did he not do to bring out the best in me. He, uh, you know, everyone always says I was just very lucky. I mean, I think part of it, you know, I came into my uh, career and got drafted by the Patriots. I always joke, you know, I had no fucking idea where New England was when I got drafted. I mean, I flew into Providence, which really confuses you if you're coming from the West Coast because I'm like, Boston, oh, Providence. And, and uh, you know, it was Coach Belichick's first year there. And, you know, we came in together and I always think for so many young players, you know, who's going to be there? Anybody could get drafted to a place. Who's going to turn you into something? Who's going to develop you? Who's going to take you under their wing? And sometimes it's a player that does it. And I definitely had a lot of players do that. And obviously um, I had someone that really saw something in me that, you know, not a lot, a lot of other people did. Man, Tommy, you could hear Brady getting emotional uh, with that. Um, you know, there's been so much conversation since he's left uh, New England, since he left New England, and then won a Super Bowl in Tampa, and Belichick's only been to the playoffs once and got routed by Buffalo in the wild card round about, you know, the whole, well, Belichick clearly needed Brady more than Brady needed Belichick. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that completely. I mean, he went to a team that was set up to win a title in Tampa when he got there. But what did you what did you think listening to those two and, and Brady's reaction in particular? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I thought Belichick was very effusive in his praise of, of Brady. And uh, for Bill Belichick, I thought he was fawning over him, and rightfully so. I thought... Brady's reaction was interesting. He never really answered the question. The question was, what what did Belichick do for you to help make you this great quarterback? Mm -hmm. And he come, starts out with, well, it's more like what he didn't do. And he never really explains that. Well, he was emotional. You could, you, you could hear him it. start to but, choke but, up a little but bit. He, I know that. But, but he doesn't. But was he emotional because Belichick means something to him? Or was he emotional because he's he's kind of pissed off at this guy? I, I that think, was not a, it was not a great answer. I think the former by any stretch. I think I think the former, and I think when he says what he what didn't he do for me? That's essentially saying, I mean, the list is too long. No, he didn't say what didn't he do. He said it's what he didn't do to me. But I think for me. But I think it's what what he, what he didn't okay. do. I I think what he meant. I'm just projecting here. I don't know. You might be right. I don't think you're right. I think he was accepting the effusive praise and returning the effusive praise back to Belichick. I didn't hear that. Okay. I thought it was a lame answer. I did. Could have been any any number of ways to say, well, he 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 helped me win all these championships. My career would not have been what it was without him. He didn't say any of that. Well, he said it really was a lame he, answer. He said I thought. he respected me for the job I did. I did. I certainly did the same with him, you know. And, uh, and well, then that, that that then that's 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 an answer where he doesn't want to give the real answer. Okay. Well, that's, when they talk about I respect what he did, you know, that's that's not love. 
Uh, I disagree with you. I didn't hear that at all. The tone, the fact that he got emotional with that, um, it, I, I, I don't think the emotion stemmed from being angry at Belichick. I don't. I think it. Here's the thing. Yeah. I think we're going to be tired of Tom Brady real soon. Well, you don't get to be tired of him until 2024. I don't know if you saw that news. Well, but uh, unless he can't, unless he, yeah, I heard that. Yeah. I think it's possible we can be. I uh, think he has the potential to make himself obnoxiously tiring before he ever steps into the booth. For why, tell me why you think he's going to be annoying. Well, it was a, a picture he posted the other day of him in a bathing suit on social media where something's saying, like, or, or it's like, is this, is this the right thing to do, or is this right, or something like that. Uh, oh, I, I mean, it I was ridiculous. I didn't see that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of that. Are you, but because are you... I don't think the guy is going to know what to do with himself. <laughs> no, okay, well, that's different. I mean, there are a lot of people that leave and don't know what to do with themselves and need a place to go hang their hat. By the way, I'm speaking to one of them right now. Um, and I, what I would say to you is <laughs> d- when you said he's going to be annoying or tiring, whatever, uh, however you, you, you said that, I thought you were talking about as a commentator. No, before he ever gets to the booth. Do you think he's going to be RG3? By, by the time he gets to the booth. Is he going to be RG3 exhausting on Twitter? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. That's <laughs> right. not possible. That's not possible. I'm very curious to see if he actually becomes a good game analyst. I have no idea what to expect from Brady. Part of me thinks, in my gut on him, is he is a little bit shallow um, and, you know, is very narrow. I think he's a lot shallow. Yes, I think he's very narrow. um, And I think that that could come out in his analysis of football. But if it's just football – um, put it this way, I doubt I would be surprised if we get a lot of personality and we fall in love with Brady the person when he becomes a commentator. But I still hold out poss- the possibility that he will be an excellent game analyst. You know, there are a lot of really good we game analysts see. that we don't, you know, the, 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 we don't love their personality. It's not like Troy Aikman is outstanding from a personality standpoint or Chris Collinsworth right. isn't. I, I mean, I don't think he is. Um, Greg Olson certainly isn't, but he's an outstanding game analyst. I don't know what he'll be like, but he's not for the for those that missed it. He's not going to start calling games next year. He's going to start in 2024. That's when it starts. He's going to take a full year off, and according to Tommy, he's going to absolutely exhaust you with Instagram posts. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Um, I wanted to just bring up one other two things Washington football related. Number one, I mentioned yesterday was that um, this guy Matt Miller at ESPN uh, mocked Anthony Richards uh, Richardson sixteen to Washington um, in the first round, and I did a segment on the radio show this morning, and it was one of those where I could have taken calls for three hours if we had wanted to, um, just on everybody's feeling about a possible quarterback being taken by this team in the first round. And the reason I did it, Tommy, is because I've had this sense, and I think you have too, I think we're um, in cahoots on this, I think we, we agree on this, that there are people out there that just think they're, they're fine right now at quarterback. And we got Sam Howell, yeah. you know, and uh, if you want to yeah. go out and get a veteran, you know, back up, you know, just in case, that's fine. But we just got to focus on O-line and linebacker and build it up around Sam Howell 
and it's going to be it's they're going to win 11 games next year and they'll be fine. I don't I don't I, I, I don't feel that way and I'm and I'm open to the possibility of being wrong. I just don't know anything about Sam Howell as a professional quarterback. I do know this that there were some people, maybe not a lot, but some people in the building that didn't even think he was ready to start the regular season finale in a meaningless game against the Cowboys and they were concerned about putting him out there. Okay, so that that was just a month ago at this point. But he completed 11 passes and had a really good read option touchdown run where he cut it all the way back across the field. And if you watch college football, you know he's a competitor. You know he can run. You know he's got a big arm. You know he's got some talent. So maybe it will work out. But um, I, I don't know if it's Anthony Richardson or if it's Will Levis or if it's somebody that we're not even thinking about right now that over the next couple of months, because it always happens in the NFL draft, a player that's not even on anybody's board right now as a potential first or second rounder is going to fly up into the first round. That's what happened with Jamin Davis a couple of years ago. Nobody had him where Washington took him. Um, but then there was late buzz with him with Washington and at least uh, you know another team or two. I have no problem with Washington if they like the quarterback taking a quarterback at 16. I have no problem if they love a quarterback trading up to take that quarterback. That's my position. What's yours? I agree with that, and I think that they've got to pick a quarterback. I think they would – look, if if they don't see a quarterback that's a first-round pick when they get to 16th, then they need to pick one in the second round if they like. If not, then the third round. But I mean, this whole notion of uh, you know that that Sam Howe is going to have to earn it. You know, that's not a quarterback competition. That's saying that it's his job to lose, and that's ridiculous. There should be a legitimate quarterback competition. With Ron Rivera has you know years ago talked about how he loved to do. Uh, where you draft a quarterback in the first, you know, the first three rounds that has the potential, uh, like a Russell Wilson, to be an NFL starter, and you also bring in a guy like like an Andy Dalton, and you have a quarterback competition. I haven't changed about that. Right. Um, one other story yesterday, and I think I had this on the podcast yesterday. Just the story about Dan Snyder listing his. Potomac, Maryland um, mansion for $49 million. Um, He bought that property for $8.64 million back in 2001, I think it was. Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, there were parcels of land that, that he acquired over the years. It's not like he bought a property for $8.64 million, just the house, and now is selling it for 20 years later, 22 years later, um, for $40 million more than what he paid for it, 40 you know, plus million dollars more than he paid for it. Um, but still, I think what's interesting about this, uh, oh, I said this yesterday, two things. One, I, I, this has been on the market on and off privately, publicly many times. It's been on the market for several years now, and they have not been able to move it because nobody's willing to pay $49 million for that you know, mansion and that property. The second thing is I think it's more, um, uh, or maybe still the first thing, I think it's more interesting if he puts his Virginia property that he just acquired for $48 million in 2021, if he puts that up for sale, to me that says they're exiting 
Like, you know, they may keep, you know, a place down at Washington Harbor or somewhere, you know, or, you know, it's one of these, you know, $8 million condos somewhere. Um, but, but if they put that, that old town property that they acquired for $48 million um, t- uh, two years ago, if that goes on, then these stories that we've heard about them relocating and setting up shop in the UK may actually be for real. How about the fact that $49 million is the price and he paid $48 million? Like he wants, he wants a million more for that one than he paid for the last one. I don't know if they're comparable properties. I don't know that for sure. Um, but a lot of people were reaching out to me after I mentioned it yesterday, Tommy, saying he's had it on the market for a while now. So he's telling you that he's only going to sell it for a certain price Shouldn't you make the jump that he's only going to sell the football team for a certain price, and if he doesn't get it, he's not selling it? I don't know if the two are equivalent, but um, there you go. I think the Virginia property, if he puts that up, really tells you a lot more. And maybe none of this tells you anything, because I still think we're going to end up having a sale by March. And in fact, I think next week, following the Super Bowl, we'll get news Sometime next week after the Super Bowl has been decided, we'll get news on the Washington sale. I don't know if it's going to be good news or bad news, sense. but I bet you we will get news next week. Yeah, because you're not going to, you're not going to get it Super Bowl week unless it, it accidentally comes out. That's what I think. You got anything on the house? Did it interest you at all in any way? No, nothing that interests me at all. Can I interest you in, in any part of the uh, property? Did you know that that house only has five bedrooms? How big are the bedrooms? Yeah. Um, Oh, my God. I know. All right. uh, I got a couple of things to mention to you uh, to finish up the show, um, and I know you do too. We'll get to those right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Tommy, tell us about Shelly's back room. Well, let me get back to the basics here. Uh, when you walk into Shelly's, what will you see? You'll see these real comfortable couches, chairs, overstuffed chairs, cozy couches. You won't see smoke hanging in the air, 
because it has a state-of-the-art air purification system that keeps the atmosphere comfortable for smokers and non-smokers alike. I've taken my wife to Shelly's a number of times, and she's sensitive to smoke, and she's always been comfortable there uh, at, at Shelly's. So if you're, if you're downtown with your family and you want to have lunch while you're doing the, the site, it's only a couple of blocks away from the Smithsonian's, from the White House, an easy walk. You can take them to Shelly's, and, and they'll be fine there. They'll be comfortable there. You also have, if, if you're looking for a place to watch football, the Super Bowl, Shelly's is a great place to watch the game uh, on Sunday night. Lots of TVs there, uh, eight high-definition TVs all around the bar. You'll often find lots of different football fans because you get a lot of out-of-towners that come to Shelly's yep. as well, in addition to natives. So you're more likely to find fans from different teams, uh, not just from Washington. Uh, and I think that's good. I think when you walk into a place and you find a fans from a different team, you have good discussions, you know, interesting perspectives. You get that at, and more at Shelley's Back Room at 1331 F Street Northwest in the district. Um, can I interest you uh, in a television show that I've been watching over the last week? A new one for you and Liz to watch. You can try. The Last of Us. You've heard of it, right? I'm, I'm familiar with it. It's one of these. It's one of these end of the world disaster shows, right? Yes, it's a post-apocalyptic show. Yes. Okay, I'm not interested. <laughs> Why? Not interested. Why? Because I don't give a shit about watching the end of the world. I don't need another. Is it zombies? Any zombies? Yeah, there's some zombies. Okay, then, then count me out. Vampires and zombies? Zombies, I'm out. <laughs> well, you forgot dragons. But, but, but Demogorgons <laughs> are fine, right? They're fine. Because <laughs> you love Stranger Things. I think you love Stranger yeah. Things, yeah. So Demogorgons yes, are fine. Demodogs, Demogorgons, yes. they're fine because you watch the show yes. and you like the show. Um, but uh, the rest right. of it, the rest of it is just pure fantasy and bullshit. So um, I, I just wanted you to get into the show so that we could talk about it because this is kind of like the time of year last year where we both I, I told you to start watching Mare of Easttown, two completely different shows, and we were able to come in here, you know, once a week and have you know a fifteen minute discussion about the most recent episode. But anyway, uh, it's it's good. I'm not about to, to anoint it as a great show. Not yet. But episode three, if I didn't say this on the podcast yesterday, was, wow, that, that came out of nowhere. Had no idea that that was going to be the, the episode. And it was incredibly moving, and I loved it. I loved episode three, and I, th- I thought episode four Sunday night was really good. And I can't wait to watch episode five. But I think that you would like it. Um, uh, but, you know, per usual, if you've got your mindset that, you know, there are things in there that you don't do, Demogorgons you do, dragons you don't do, whatever, um, then you're probably not going to watch it. I'm not going to be able to convince you of it. Like, I convinced you to watch Dope Sick, and I think I made the right call on that. But you knew a little bit about the history of that. Uh, yes. That, you know. that was real life. Real people. I know. Mayor of Easttown so wasn't sick. real life. I convinced you to watch that. You like that. It, uh, but what? it was like real life. Yes. 
You know? Well, stranger I mean, things like real life. Is stranger things like real no. life? No. Okay. You've, you've got you've got the one anomaly. There you <laughs> I go. Hang I, on to it. I, what do you mean? I bet I can come up with some you know, some other ones. Started, Don't you love when King I Kong? Watching, when I started watching Stranger Things, mm-hmm. I was sick. I, I was I was sick, and I, I was and it was during COVID. No, it wasn't during COVID, but I was sick. Mm-hmm. And I was basically stuck in the house. And it was the perfect opportunity for binge-watching. Okay. okay? They, so it was circumstances that led to me to get into that. Aren't you like, like a Godzilla? Aren't, don't you it. love Godzilla and King Kong? Aren't those some of your favorite yes, movies? But I know, yes, but I know they're not good. I like them, but that's not good. They're not good. Oh, the King Kong, the original King Kong is, is a classic. What's the original well, King it was Kong? Made in ni- the original King Kong was made in 1933. I want you to think about what they thought in the movie theaters when you next to, if you ever watched the original King Kong, and they saw that in 1933. They've only been talking movies for about four or five years at that point. So the, the original King <laughs> you, Kong is what do, you, what do you think they thought? Do you think that they thought it was real and they should go home? And... I don't know. I, I think they thought this was, the, that this, this was something they had never seen before in their life. It was unbelievable. I mean, it really had to be. I remember, it had to be stunning I, to have watched that in a movie theater. I remember the King Kong in the 70s with What's-Her-Face. Um, with Jessica Lange. Jessica Lange, exactly. Oh, that was such a bad King Kong. Oh, my God. The worst one ever, even though she is on my list of all-time hotties, is Jessica Lange. But uh, that was a terrible King Kong. All right. Well, The Last of Us is, pre- look, is pretty good. It's pretty good. It's not great so I far. It's pretty good. Okay, I just recognize that I like Godzilla movies and monster movies. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to sit there and tell you it's good movie making. Right. Okay. Um, you got anything else? I got nothing else for you, boss. Another beautiful, sunshiny day. I think I'm hitting the pool again tonight. Hit the pool. Hopefully it's by yourself. Enjoy the clear skies. I am going to enjoy the beautiful weather here the rest of the week. I will talk to you on Thursday, and we'll get your Super Bowl pick on Thursday. See ya. See you, boss. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.